Anybody in here love football? Yeah, yeah I love football. Y'all excited about football kicking off? Yeah. High school football, college football, it's all kicking off. Uh, I'm so pumped. I love football. I love it so much. Do I got any uh, Lake Arthur Tiger fans in the house? Yeah, yeah. There's more of y'all in the 1045. Uh, how about any Welsh Greyhound fans in the house? Any Welsh? They're crazy. They were crazy in the 9 o'clock. Uh, how about Iota Bulldogs? Any Iota Bulldogs? Two of you. <laughs> uh, I was like, I'm not even claiming them. Um, how about any Elton? We got any Elton fans in the house? One. Great. Awesome. Glad you're here. Welcome, Elton. All the big town. Jennings Bulldogs. Any? All right. All right, if I left out any, I'm sorry. Uh, how, many, uh, how many Magnese Cowboy fans do we have? Okay. <laughs> Hopefully you went there. Uh, how about Raging Cajuns? Any Raging Cajuns? Any depressed Tigers in the fan? Yeah, I don't know if you're shouting or crying. I don't know which one it is. You're doing one of them. You're doing one of them. Any Saints fans in the house? Any Saints you say, well, we'll see how the, how the season goes before we find uh, We love football. I love football. I mean, if you're in this state, for the most part, if you don't like it, you're going to learn to love it. Uh, football is a huge thing in Louisiana. Uh, we, we do a lot around it, and I, I love it. I love it a lot. I'm excited about it. I was excited about watching the first LSU game yesterday. And uh, I know we're going to have to probably do some ministering after the service for some of you. We'll have our prayer team up here for those who need ministry and prayer after yesterday's loss. Um, but I, I love it. I, I love being a part of it. I love watching it. I love going to it. Um, and, and that's all cool. And people actually, I mean, if you don't like football, actually, in, probably in this state, they think you're weird. Because um, everybody here loves football. But when I say something like, I love my church, people give me like a, a, a bit of a look. Like, what? Like, you're supposed to endure church. You're supposed to kind of get through church. You're not supposed to love your church. But I love my church. Does anybody love their church in this place? Okay. Make sure I was in the right house. You know, we, on, a, on, a, on any given Sunday, our church, if you're new here, is a part of many other churches. Our church alone has three different locations. We have one in Eunice, and we have one in Crowley. And, uh, and then we're a part of a, a number of other churches here in the state of Louisiana, and actually all across the U.S. But just in the state of Louisiana, we have over nine churches here in, in our, our area. So there's Our Savior's Church in Lafayette, and in Broussard, and in Opelousas, and in Midtown. And then we have Church of the King in Lake Charles, and then we have a Church of the King in Mandeville and in New Orleans, and uh, we got churches all over. And on on any given Sunday, just across our nine churches, over fifteen, sixteen thousand people will be a part of our churches. That's huge. It's awesome. Yeah, and that's that's huge. I mean, that's a big church, uh, especially for Louisiana. But I don't know if you know, there's actually a much bigger church in Louisiana that's way bigger than even that. And it's, and many people don't even realize it, but this is a massively huge church. The people that go to these, these, it's actually two churches. They only have two locations, but the people that go to these two churches are absolutely 
crazy. They're the craziest people I've ever met. The worship at these services are out of the roof. I mean, it's the most amazing worship you've ever been a part of. These people clapping, cheering, shouting. I mean, they absolutely love it. The crazy thing about these churches as well is people drive from hundreds of miles to go to these two churches. It's huge. I mean, it's a huge church. The crowd is absolutely massive. This church has over 100,000 people in Louisiana. I don't even know if you even know about it. Some of you may have been to it or not. I don't know, but it's huge. The crazy thing about this church is people will even go to these churches even when it's raining. They won't come to our church when it's raining, but they'll go to these churches when it's raining. I mean, it is, it's packed. Every time they open the doors, it is packed. You want to know, do you, I don't even know if you know what these churches are. Let me, let me introduce you to these churches. So the New Orleans Saints Superdome and LSU Tigers. How I many know these, these people get their worship on like nobody's business? I mean, these people know how to get it on. These people wait in traffic and enjoy it. It's crazy. These people pay to go to their church. They got to pay before they even get in the doors. You got in here for free. You're welcome. These, these, these people worship every weekend just like we do. And these guys are huge fans for 11 men with really tight pants and a small ball. How many of you been to this church before? Anybody been to this church? Yeah. It's crazy, isn't it? And actually, the crazy thing is, if you're sitting down at this church and not cheering, you're the weird one. Right? I mean, you've got to be up on your feet and cheering, and that's, that's what this church is. And, and for everybody across our state and even beyond our state, they absolutely love this church. They love the people on this church, and they, they pay tons of money to go to this church. This is the place that they want to be. They talk about this all throughout the week. You, you talk to them at work. They're always talking about this place. They're talking about what it is. And for people who love this church, you don't think it's weird. Right? But when you start talking about your church, come on, how many you know that's a little weird? Wait, you love your church? Now, I know we're kind of making light of things, but... And I, by all means, am not saying there's anything wrong with this. Listen, I love LSU. I love the Saints. I love football. I'm not going to tell you, you know, you don't need to go to these places. You only need to go to church. I'm not telling you that. By the way, if you want to take me to one of these, you can take me. <laughs> I only do box seats. No, I'm joking. Uh, just kidding. But this is a church. People worship at this one just as much as they worship at ours. It, it is a church. And I love my church. And hopefully, from the applause and the shouts, you love your church. And maybe it might be a little weird for people to hear you actually all throughout the week talking about your church. You talk about what happened at your church and you talk about what God is doing in your life. But can I tell you the fact that you love your church is actually not weird. It's actually expected. You should love your church. And you know why you should love your church? Because Jesus loves his church. He absolutely loves it. You should got some note cards when you walked in today. If you got some note cards, wave them at me just so I can see them. All right, yeah. Get my preach on. Just wave it at me, okay? So on those note cards, I want you to see this first scripture because I want us to look at this because I want to tell you today personally why I love our church more than football. I love football, but I love our church a lot more, and I'm going to tell you why in just a minute. 
But let's look at what Jesus says about his church. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25, it says this. Husbands, love your wives as Christ. What did he do? Love the church. Not only does he love it, he gave himself up for her. This was a passage that Paul was sharing with the Ephesians and telling them, Hey, you want to know how you model your marriage? You want to know, husbands, how you love your wife? Here's the example of how you love your wife. You look at Christ and how he loved the church. Jesus loved the church. He loved the church so much that he, he gave himself up for it. Well, let's see how he gave himself up for it. Let's look in Acts chapter 20. Luke gives us a, a picture of what, how Jesus loved his church. This is actually a passage to pastors, to shepherds, to people like myself, to leaders. But this is what he says. Pay careful attention to yourselves. And to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you an overseer. God has given Pastor Bubba, myself, Miss Tracy, my wife, as overseers of our Savior's church here in Jennings. And this is what God tells us to do, to care for the church. Our job is to care for you, which, now watch this though, which he, being Jesus, has obtained with what? His own blood. Now I want you to realize this. Jesus prayed for his church. Jesus served his church. Jesus lived for his church. Jesus blessed his church. Jesus bled for his church. And then ultimately, Jesus died for his church. And guess here's the greatest news. Jesus is coming back for his church. That's the greatest news ever. But Jesus absolutely loves his church. Just like I love my wife. Look, you can talk bad about me all day. You talk about my wife, it's on like Donkey Kong. Same with the church. Jesus loves his church. The Bible gives us a picture of the church being his bride, that we are his bride. Don't be talking about his bride. This is his church, and Jesus loves it. He loved it enough that he gave his life for it. Jesus loves his church. Now, I understand this when I, we do a series like this where we talk about, I love my church. There's a lot of people that maybe feel a little different than that. Maybe you don't have as much affection for the church as I do. And I realize that and I have to kind of address that right here on the front end because some of you have been hurt by the church. You ha- you've been hurt by people in the church, which let me tell you this. You actually have never been hurt by the church. You've been hurt by people in the church. The people have hurt you. But I, I understand that there are people in here that you've given your life in a church or you served a church and then come around. Those people hurt you in some way. But let me ask you this. How many of you are married in here? Raise your hand. Okay. How many of you, your, your spouse has hurt you? Okay. All right. Some of you are like, I'm not raising my hand on that one. She's a blessing. You're a blessing, babe. You're a blessing. Liar. All right. We've all been hurt. In family, you get hurt, and your spouse has hurt you, and, and that's a part of that process. It's a part of the church is not perfect by any means. And let me just say this right out, right out of the gate. First off, I'm so sorry to hear how you've been hurt. And I know everybody's got different types of hurt in here when it comes to churches. Maybe you walked in a church and you felt very judged, and it was a very judgmental atmosphere. Maybe you went to a church and the leadership somehow hurt you or something that somebody said hurt you. And first off, let me just say, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry on their behalf for you. But let me also say, I'm not setting up our Savior's church to be a church that's not going to hurt you. If you haven't been offended by us, you just need to stick around a little longer. <laughs> I mean, I do have 35 minutes left in this message. It's going to happen. Pastor Bob has hurt me. I've hurt him. We've walked together for 16 years. We've had differences. It's, it's a part of what it is when you're in a part of a family. Nobody goes into a family expecting perfection. 
And yet with our church, our church has faults and blemishes and, and we got some crazy people in our church. Uh, you walked in, you're like, he's here. <laughs> yeah, we, we have people that are far from the Lord. We have people that are close to the Lord. I mean, we have such a variety of people here that come to our church and call our Savior's church their home. But I'm here to tell you that even faults and flaws and all, you should love your church. You should want to talk about your church. Because ultimately, we love Jesus. And if we love Jesus, we love what Jesus loves. And Jesus loves the church. So I want to share with you why I love our church. And I don't want to share it because I'm the pastor here of this church. I want to share with it because I'm a Christian and why I love this church. Here's the truth. If I pastored here or not, I'd still be coming to our Savior's church. I love this church. And I'm going to give you three reasons why I could sit here for hours and give you pages of reasons why I love this church. But I want to give you the top three reasons really why I love this church and why I think as a church we're called to love one another. And here's the first one. Because OSC is not a place you go to, but a family you belong to. If you've been here long enough, you probably have heard that ad nauseum. We say that pretty often around here. OSC is not a place you go to. It's a family you belong to. God has called us as a family. Let me show you what the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2 says this. You, look at the person next to you and say, talking to you. He's talking to you. You are members of what? Come on, say it like you believe it. Members of what? God's family. Together. We're going to talk a lot more about that next week when we have a message called Better Together. But today, he says, together we are his what? His house. Built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets and the cornerstone. The person that we build all of this on. It's not Pastor Baba. It's not Pastor Josh. It's not any of our team. Who do we build this on? Jesus Christ himself. Jesus is the cornerstone of this church. He is the one we build all this on. OSC is not a place you go to, it's a family you belong to. OSC is not a building, by the way. 16 years ago when Pastor Bubba bought this place, when we, were, we were meeting in the Holiday Inn. And, and uh, whew, that was crazy, by the way. But we were meeting the Holiday Inn and we had children's church and hotel rooms. Not good at all. But that's where we met and we had church and we were the church there. And then we moved here and we bought what was Columbia Gulf Building. This was an oil company that bought, was, had this building. And we bought it. And now your children meet in what was used to be our sanctuary. And then back here was just a warehouse and that's all it was. And we gutted walls and put up new walls and put up rooms and made this extension here. And, and this is just a building. But how many know this is not the church? Eunice Campus bought a building that was a massage parlor and a dentist office. I asked Pastor Bubba if we could keep the massage parlor and just have the church on the other side. A little pastoral perk, get done preaching, go get a massage. Anyways, uh, we, got done, we got rid of that, but that's what it was. It was it, it, but now it's a church. Our Crowley campus meets in the Rice Theater in Crowley. That all throughout the week and on weekends, they have parties and gigs and all that. And then on Sunday, our church goes in there. And now, the night before, they were partying it up. And now on Sunday, they're lifting their hands, praising Jesus. You know why? Because the church isn't a building. The church is a people. We are the family. We are the church. That is what it is. It's not a place you go to. It's a people you belong to. Two weeks ago, or three weeks ago, when the whole flooding came down, how many know we didn't have service? But how many know we still had church? 
we still had church because we actually went and did what the church was ex- it existed for, which is we went and we were the church in our area, in our city. That's what the church looks like. So just because you're in a building, we could go on a field and have church. We'd go to somebody's house and have church. We'd go to Java Jolts and have church. Anybody want a coffee? I need one. No, I don't. Um, I want to do a survey here. And I want to show you how God is building a family here. And, and how diverse our family is here. And I want you to kind of take note as we're doing this. I want you to kind of look around. Because God is not building a white church. He's not building a black church. He's not building a young church. He's not building an old church. He's building his church. And I want to show you. I want to show you. By, by a show of hands, how many of you did not grow up in a Christian home? Raise your hand if you did not grow up in a Christian home. Okay. Just want you to kind of look around when, you, when we do this. How many of you grew up in a Christian home? Raise your hand. Grew up in a Christian home? Majority of you. Okay. How many of you come from a divorced home? Raise your hand. How many of you come, your parents are still together? Raise your hand. Okay. About, it's split. About half. How many of you have a college education? Raise your hand. All right. How many of you do not have a college education? Raise your hand. All right. Good. I feel good. Okay. All right. Uh, how many of you have a past that involves drugs or alcohol? Raise your hand. Wow. Look around. Wait, hold on. Put your hand up. Look around. All right. Just want to make you feel good. All right. Um, now, I didn't say you, you did drugs on the way here, but <laughs> how current are we talking about? <laughs> All right, well, whatever. The shoe fits. Um, how many of you have some form of abuse in your background, some of childhood or whatever? Wow. Look, wait, keep your hand up. Look around. Okay. Let me put your hand down. Thank you for your honesty. How many of you come from the Catholic background? Raise your hand. Look around. Look around. All right. Put your hand down. Here's the one that I want to find out the most. How many of you got saved in this church? Raise your hand. Look around. Come on. Can we give the Lord praise for that? That's awesome. You know, there's no entity on the planet that unites people like the church does. Think about this, though. Outside of Jesus and outside of the church, most of us wouldn't even be friends. Nevertheless, family. (laughs) Right? I mean, that's the truth. I mean, you look down that, just look down your row and go, I wouldn't hang out with you. I wouldn't hang out with you. I wouldn't hang out with you. And God says, ha, 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 you're not going to be friends. You'll be family. So now you look down your row and you got a brother and sister. And I love this because you look down your row and you got white people sitting with black people. With a Mexican somewhere, hopefully. Is there a Mexican in here? Somewhere. Okay, there's, there's rich people. There's millionaires sitting on a row with, with someone who's poor and can't pay their bills. And all the single women are going, is he single? I mean, is he on my, is he on my row? Is he around here? You got, <laughs> you got, you got, you got young people sitting with older people. I'm not even putting a bracket in there, okay? You can just figure out where you fit in that category. Y'all see what I'm saying? God is building his church. And here's what he's building. Let me tell you what he's doing. It's heaven on earth. He is building heaven on earth. The church is the greatest reflection of heaven before you get there. So some, hey, listen, if you don't like the people that you're by, <laughs> I'm sorry to tell you, <laughs> forever. It's a long time. So you better get used to these people. Because these are the people that you're going to be with for forever. And I love that this church gets to be a reflection of heaven. And you get to come in here and feel like heaven. And it looks like heaven. Come on, can I get a good amen? Amen. 
So that's why we want all races and all backgrounds and all every person that struggles and every person. I mean, we, we saw in here 80% of people had some drug abuse or some alcohol abuse. This is what we're all about. This is the family that we are building and that God is building in this place. And when you walk into this house, we want you to feel at home. We want you to know that we've been preparing for you. You are our guest. And we want, hopefully, that you would become not only a guest, but then you would become an actual member of our family. You would be a part of this place. We work hard to create a place for you to feel at home. God hasn't called us as a church to build a crowd. He's called us to build a family. I'm not excited just about filling seats. I, I love that our church is growing at the rate that it is, but I don't, I'm not called to build a crowd. We're called to build a family. We're called to build a people of God to see people come to know Jesus. Sometimes you want to go where everybody knows your name. And they're always glad you came. You want me to keep going? I can go on. <laughs> Making our world. No, I'm joking. Here goes. <laughs> you know, it's funny because we, our church is right across from Big O's. I love it. I love it. Because some people get lost and turn into our office parking lot. And want to know where Big O's is? And I tell them, you found it! We are the original Big O's. Doors open at 9 and 1045, only on Sundays though. And then first Wednesdays. <laughs> I love the fact that, that we can be a church where, hey, maybe not everybody knows your name, but everybody, somebody knows your name. Some of you walk in here for the first time and you're like, you were scared out of your mind to walk in here for the first time. Especially if you came maybe from a Catholic background. You're like, what is going on here? Yeah, yeah right? <laughs> and you're like, what are they doing? And wh- why are they raising their... Why does everybody got questions? And what's happening? And, and yet you come in and, and it's incredible because you hear... I get to talk to a lot of people for the first time. And they leave and, and during the week I get a lot of conversations with them. And they said, you know what? I was so scared when I walked in there. But when I walked in there, I just felt like I was at home. I just, there was something about the place. It was almost like when you were preaching, like, like you were reading my mail, like you knew everything that was going on in my week. And then I tell them, well, actually your family did send me what was going on in your week. And they told me where you were sit. So I would make sure I point. No, I don't do that. You know what that is? That's the spirit of God. But that is, this is family. This is what God's called us to build. Let, let's, let's look at another verse, Psalm 68, 5. I love this. Look at it says, this is, God is saying, I am a father to the fatherless. Come on, how many of you are fatherless in here? Or maybe your father wasn't who he was, should have been. The Bible says that God is a father to the fatherless. He's a defender of widows. This is God whose dwelling is holy. Now watch this. And God places the what? The lonely in what? Families. Hey, listen, I've been here for 16 years. You know why? Not because I found a great church, but because I found a great family. This is a great church, but it's an even better family. And that's our prayer for you is that you don't come here just because this is a great church. We pray that you come here because you have found family. And this verse says that God sets the lonely in families. You know, we talk about spiritual family a lot. Because the big core value of ours is that we create a place that's family. Because everybody has dysfunctional families. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But I love that over the past three or four weeks, people in our church have not only heard us preaching about family, but actually have experienced family. 
That's what this is all about. During the flood that we had people and our staff were on the phone constantly with people in our church. How are you doing? How's things going on? Where, how, do y'all need anything? Oh, no, we're fine. Did you get any water? Yeah, we're flooded, but we're fine. Go help other people. We'll be there. And then we show up at the door and then we go in and say, what can we do to help? And we got out houses and we went into people that weren't even part of our church and gutted their houses too. Because I love this family doesn't just take care of its own. It wants to take care of other families too. And so that's what this is all about. And that's, that's what we do though. But as family, we take care of our own, but we also take care of others. And we, we love our neighbors as we love ourselves. And then we go in and we do that. Right, Ashlyn Thibodeau? This is what we do. And then I love it. This week, we had the chance to invite Mikey over to our office. And Pastor Bubba leaned at Mikey and Ashlyn. Mikey and Ashlyn didn't get any federal assistance with their house for the flooding. And because of your generosity, we sat there across the table and gave Mikey a check and said, take care of all of that. We got that. We got that. And I wasn't able to be there, but Pastor Bubba said he sat there with tears streaming down his face. Because that's what family does. This is what we do. That when we can bless people, we can help people. As many of you know, um, Sarah lost her husband this week. Nick went on to be with the Lord a couple days ago and battled with tongue cancer, then battled with stomach cancer and went on to be with the Lord. He's 33. And last Sunday, a guy came up to, came up to me and he said, man, we need to do something for Nick and Sarah. And I said, well, let's go over our staff and let's, let's talk to, so I grabbed some of my, our ladies that are on our staff and I said, Hey, we need to do something for Nick and Sarah. And she's like, we've already been. I said, Oh really? What have we been doing? We've been cooking every night for them and I'm taking their kid and I'm going to bring them to my house this week. And the guy looked at me and he said, well, they don't need you. I said, no, they don't need me. They've already been doing all that for the past couple of weeks, even before I was. And Joey and Heather, a sweet couple in our house, have been over at her house over the past couple of weeks, just serving her and loving her. Tomorrow we'll perform the funeral. Pastor Bell will be performing the funeral. Come on, how many know that's what church does? Sarah came to my office Friday and She said, somebody asked her, hey, are you going to be at church on Sunday? And she said, I've been at church through this whole process. Why would I not be at church this Sunday? Which, by the way, can we stop and just pray for Sarah right now? Father, we just pray, Lord, over Sarah and Jace. God, we thank you for this family. And God, Lord, even though we don't understand why things happen the way they do, And God, I know, Lord, as a wife who's grieving the loss of her husband and a son who's grieving the loss of her father, God, I pray right now that you would strengthen her. God, I pray, Lord, that the peace of God would rest on her. God, I pray that you would comfort her. And God, that through our family, God, that we can be a loving, hugging neck and someone just to walk through them. God, I pray strength. And grace over her and her entire family as they walk through this in Jesus' name. And all of God's family said, this is what family looks like. This is what we do. And let let me put it this way. Your level of involvement will determine how much of the family you'll get. 
I've had people call me and go, I was in the hospital for two weeks and no one called me. And so here's my first question. One, I'm sorry that happened. Two, who are you? I've been coming to your church for four months. I don't even know who you are. Well, like, I come like one week a month for four months. Have you gone through your next step? No. Are you part of a life group? No. Do you serve on our dream team? No. Then what, what, what do you do at our church? Well, I just got go to your church. I say, I'm sorry. Listen, your level of family that you're going to get is based off of your involvement in the church. And if you think just because you attend our church, we have over 500 people that attend our church. If you want to experience the family, you better get in the family. Can I get an amen on that one? Which, which, and I'm not trying to be hard on you in any regards. Listen, you're more than welcome here and not join our family. But don't expect the benefits of the family if you don't want to be involved in the family. Y'all with me? So if you want, you want the benefits of the family, you need to be in the family. Not just come to the family reunions. You need to be a part of it. Are y'all with me here? Because this is a family reunion. This is really what Sunday is all about. We just join together and high-five each other. How was your week? How was this? How was this? And we worship Jesus and then we leave. But a lot of these people that are actually in this family realize that church isn't just a place we go to. It's a family they belong to and they're meeting all throughout the week everywhere else. Because this is the family. And I'm going to tell you right now, if you want a part of this family, you've got to get into the family, which is, by the way, happens to be next step after this class. I mean, after this service. Yeah, that's awesome. Okay, so we have lunch provided. We have child care provided. It'll be about an hour and 10 minutes, and we'll tell you everything on how you can be a part of this family. Stay. Stay. Stay and be with us. We'd love for you to be a part of this family. And if you can't come to this week, come next week. Jump in at any time. Just jump in. Just get involved. Here, let me give you the second one. So OSC, OSC is not a place you go to. It's a family you belong to. And here's the second thing. OSC is not a club for saints, but it's a hospital for sinners. This isn't a social club for people that are perfect. This is a hospital for people that are broken and hurting. Jesus was especially good at finding the outcast and the downcast. And he loved going for broken people. That's actually what he came for. And he goes after a guy named Levi. Levi was also named Matthew. Matthew was a tax collector. In those days, tax collectors did not have a good reputation, much like the IRS today. Um, But the tax collectors were very, very shady guys. They would not only give you taxes, but they would give you more taxes than you actually were supposed to pay. And then then they would take that money on top of you. So they were stealing from people constantly. So people hated them. And Jesus, when he's picking his team to figure out who's going to be his disciples and who's not, he goes to this guy named Levi. And Levi is the scum of the scum. He's a tax collector. And he picks Levi and Levi's doing taxes. And he comes to Levi and he says, hey, you follow me. And I'm sure Levi's looking up like, Wait, who, who are you talking to? You talk, you're talking to me? You're talking to her? And Jesus is like, no, I'm talking to you. I want you to come. Wait, you, you talking to me? <laughs> yes, I want you. Levi, I want you. And so Levi, so overwhelmed at the emotions of that Jesus would actually pick him. What does Levi do? Well, hey, hey you know what? I'm good at throwing parties. You want to go to a party? Jesus is like, let's go to a party. So Jesus says, let's go to, where do you want to throw this party? And Levi says, we'll do it at my house. We're going to throw a party at my house. And so Jesus says, okay, invite all your friends. Well, what kind of friends do you think Levi's got? I mean, nobody likes him. Let's pick up the story. 
So verse 29, it says, and Levi made a great feast in his house. Come on, Cajuns. We know about that. (laughs) He can throw down some food. Maybe Levi was a little Cajun. I don't know. It says, and there was a large company. So tons of people, places packed out. But guess who it's packed out with? Tax collectors and others. (laughs) You don't even have a, a, you can't even describe what kind of people those are. And others. (laughs) We got tax collectors and other people. (laughs) And it says, now watch this. And the reclining at a table with them. Which, by the way, if you shared a meal with somebody, especially if they were a tax collector or a sinner or a prostitute, that, in those days, that meant you, you were welcoming them into your home. So Jesus is eating with them, and it says, and now watch this. Here's all these religious people. <laughs> it says, and the Pharisees and scribes, the pastors, all these guys that really love God a lot, that say they do, they, they're mad. And they say this. They start grumbling to the disciples. And guess, look what they say to the disciples. Why do you guys eat and drink with tax collectors? Oh, now we've described them. And sinners. And Jesus, I love this because they don't ask Jesus this question. They ask the disciples the question, but guess who answers the question? Jesus. So they ask the disciples, why do y'all eat with tax collectors? And Jesus is like, I can answer that one. Hey, you want an answer for that? Let me give you the answer for this. Because those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are, those who are sick. Now, listen, you may have a hard time thinking about church as a family because your family's all jacked up. Maybe your family's a little dysfunctional, but let me give you some good, good, good news today. So was Jesus's. Jesus's family was probably even more jacked up than yours is. Yeah, right. There's no way. Okay. Let me prove it to you. Glad you asked. So the 12 guys that he picked, his disciples, let me give you just a rundown of a couple of them. Peter was impulsive and had an anger problem. Anybody in here have an anger problem? You're on Jesus' team. Get on the team. Matthew, tax collector, greedy, cheated. He belonged in prison. Anybody in here been to prison? You're on the team too. Come on. Thomas was a skeptic and a doubter and doubted that Jesus was who he says he was. Anybody doubting? You're on the team too. And then if you go and you look in Matthew chapter one, there's a list of all the genealogy of Jesus. This is Jesus's family. And oftentimes we skip that part because it's like all these names. You're like, I don't know who all these people are, but there's something very unique about Matthew chapter one and the genealogy of Jesus, because it doesn't just have men in those days in the genealogy, they just list men. But in Jesus's family, he listed four women in his genealogy. You know who those women are? Let me tell you who they are. I'll describe a little bit about them. Tamar. She seduced her father-in-law to sleeping with her. Sounds like a winner. You're on the team. Rahab, a prostitute. You're on the team. Ruth, a Moabite. The Moabites were a product of Lot sleeping with his daughter. You're on the team. Bathsheba was raped by a guy who had a heart after God. So if you think your family's crazy... Jesus has got your beat. I mean, it's like desperate housewives times 10. (laughs) Some bad stuff. And yet, the reason Jesus puts this in his word is to give you encouragement that you're not too far and you're not too off for him to use you too. We see this in here. You know, all of the healings all throughout the Bible that Jesus performed, you know what they required? A sick person. Is your marriage a wreck right now? Welcome to OSC. 
Are you, is your finances just a mess right now? Welcome to OSC. Is your soul all tormented? You got drug addiction and past and stuff that you just wish that you could never, no one ever bring up? Welcome to OSC. You got stuff that's going on in your heart or in your family that you don't want anybody to know about? Welcome to OSC. You feel like you're a failure? You feel like you've gone too far and God can't do anything with you? Welcome to OSC. OSC is a place where it's okay to not be okay. That you can walk in these doors and people come in, how you doing? And you go, not good. And people will go, that's okay. Because you know what? The only thing that puts us all on the same level playing field in this room is we're all sinners saved by grace. All of us. All of us. And Yeah, I'm glad for your golf clap. Thank you. We are all on the same playing field. There's no people in here that's like, whoo, he's a piece of work. You know what? Jesus probably said that about you. And we look across and the only reason that people judge others is because they think for some reason their sin's not as bad as somebody else's. But when you realize that this is not a place where it's a social club for its members, but it's a hospital for sick, hurting people, you realize our prayer more than anything is that you would come in and you would meet the great physician because he can heal hurts. That's what he does. So our prayer is not that you would come in just broken and stay broken. It's okay to not be okay. It's just not okay to stay there. Y'all with me? So God doesn't want you just to, he'll take you as you are, but he'll start cleaning you up. He'll start healing the hurts. He'll start forgiving the past. When you come in and you think that God's going to whip you and instead he gives you a hug. Come on, how many know that does something to you? When you come in here and you think that God is mad at you and instead you realize that God loves you and you are his beloved child, that does something to you. When you come in here and you think that God wants nothing to do with you and then he says, no, come on into the family, that does something to you. You know what that is? Grace. And when you encounter and you experience the grace and the presence of God, it does something to you. On these floors, you don't even realize it. But when we built this building and it was just a shell and it just had concrete floors and everything, we invited our small church at that time, 100 people or so that were in that room, and we invited them into this room. And on these floors, people wrote prayers and they wrote scriptures and they just began to write things on the walls and on the stage. Pastor Bubba wrote right here on this stage, let revival start here. And you today walked on those prayers and you walked on those scriptures and you are a byproduct of people who have prayed and given and sacrificed for you. That is what this church is about, that people who are far from Christ can come here and find Christ. And then your life is never the same again. How many know when you meet Jesus, you're never the same? You're never the same. The old is gone, the old has passed away. You are never the same. And let me just... Say this, healing is a process, it's not an event. So some people treat healing as it's an event. I'm going to go to church, and then I'm going to pray a prayer, and I'm never going to have this problem again. Come on, how many of you know you're lying to yourself? Come on, how, how many of you got to come back into church and go, it was a rough week again? <laughs> and then you come back the next week, it was even rougher, the other one before. 
Healing in our hearts is a process and God brings us through a process and we want to help you go through the process of healing. Your marriage that's a wreck, God doesn't want it to stay that way. He wants to heal it, but it's got to start with you being honest that it's actually a wreck. Hey, listen to me very closely. I want everybody to look at me very closely here. God can only heal what you say and admit that actually is wrong. God can only heal what we uncover. So if you come in here and you act like it's all good, when it's not all good, the only person you're hurting is you. Are y'all with me? When you walk in here and go, our marriage is a train wreck right now. Then from that moment, God can begin to rebuild that. If you come in here and go, I am an alcoholic, or I am a drug addict, or I am this, in our honesty, Bible says, we're, we're, we are weak, he is made strong. But how many know you got to acknowledge you're weak? See, the problem with the Pharisees is they thought they weren't, they, they didn't think that they were sick. So guess what? They never got healed. But as soon as you admit you're sick, guess what? Healing comes in your life. Come on, how many can get some healing? I want some, say, I want some of that. I want some of that. All right, let's, let's wrap all this up with number three. OSC is not about sitting, but about serving. Another reason why I love this church, OSC is not about sitting, but about serving. Matthew chapter 5, verse 14. Look at this. It says, you are the light of the world. You are a city set on a hill, cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. And in the same way, now watch this, let your light, what, what do we do? Shine. Shine before others so that they may see your what? And give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Listen, Jesus did not die on a cross so you could go to church. Jesus died on the cross so you could be the church. You can't read anywhere in Scripture. I I would love for you to show me anywhere in Scripture that says that Jesus died on the cross so you could go sit in the seat. Nowhere. Jesus died on a cross so that you could find new life in him, that he could heal you and restore you. And then from there, he could now use you to go do that in other people. That's why he saved you. That's why he healed you. If Jesus just wanted you for himself, he would have, he would have saved you, then killed you. Right? We'd baptize you, bring you down once, and then bring you down. Not, we wouldn't bring you back up. Just leave you down. But God's got a purpose for you. And his purpose is not that you would be sitting, but that you would be serving. That is God's purpose for you. That is God's purpose for this church. That's the whole purpose of why we did what we did during the flood. Everybody was amazed at what we did during the flood. I wasn't amazed at all because that's what we should be doing. I mean, why are we like shocked? They're like, wow, I can't believe all they did. Why are you shocked? That's what we should be doing. We should be helping people in the middle of crisis. I love that, that our fa- the fact that our church adopted all of the schools here in Jennings. We've just adopted Lake Arthur. Now we just adopted Hathaway. And we go into these schools and tell these teachers, what do you need? How can we help? We've blessed more of the faculty in this area than you can ever imagine because of your generosity. We've given supplies. We've given food. We've given cards. We've gone in and helped tutor kids. That is what we do. How many know when a church is in a city, the city should thrive because of that church? The schools in our area should thrive because of our church. And if you got kids that go to any of those schools as a parent, you should go in there and find out ways that you can serve that school. Because everywhere we are, we bring the life of God with us. We'll talk more about that in the weeks to come. But it's not about sitting. It's about serving. Because in heaven, you don't get rewarded for attending church. You get rewarded for being the church. 
You won't go to heaven. And Jesus says, I saw that you went 50 out of the 52 weeks. Good job. Come on in. Jesus is going to look at you and want to know what did you do with what he told you to do? Were you the church? Because everybody has a part to play and everybody has a job to do and everybody has a need that needs to be met that can be met through you. You know, the whole reason that you should be coming to church is not just so that you can get more of Jesus, but that's so you can give Jesus to the people that are sitting around you. You can grab somebody and go, hey, how was your week this week? Instead of you coming and just finding your seat, but you would come and you would find somebody else and go, hey, how was your week? And when they say, man, it was bad, that you can stop there and say, hey, what can I do to help? That's what we do. We don't come to church just to get Jesus. We come to church to be Jesus. Y'all with me here? I know I'm stepping on some toes. Let me give you the last one here. God doesn't bless attendance. He blesses obedience. God doesn't bless attendance. He blesses obedience. Let me show you Psalms 92 verse 12. It says the righteous flourish. Everybody say that word. Flourish. Like the palm tree and grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Come on. How many want your marriage to flourish? How many want your kids to flourish? How many want your finances to flourish? <laughs> like, God, I don't want the dry season. Let's flourish. Yeah, we all do. Let me show you what God says. This is how it flourishes. It says, the righteous flourish like a palm tree and grow like a cedar in Lebanon. And they are, what's that word? Planted. What is it? Planted. planted in the what? Planted in the house. They're planted in the house of the Lord. And, and here's the byproduct of people who are planted in the house. They what? Flourish. They flourish. In the courts of our God. Past, people, you know, ask me, well, Pastor Josh, do I have to go to church to be a Christian? The answer is no. You actually can be saved and do life on your own. And you, you're saved by grace, not because of the church or anything. Um, if you never step foot in a church again, I believe you can go to heaven. Perfectly fine. You're, you're not, how would I put it? You don't go to church to be a Christian, but you do have to go to church to be a growing one. Because you need each other. You need the people that are sitting on your row. Because you can't be the church alone. We are the church. You're not the church alone. We are the church together, and you need the church. God doesn't bless attendance. He blesses obedience. Let me finish up with this last Thing. Charles Spurgeon, who had a church over 10,000 people. Here's the crazy thing about that. He had a church over 10,000 people and never used a microphone. Whew. That man had a loud voice. <laughs> In April 5th of 1891, so over 120 plus years ago, he wrote this. or He, he actually preached this in a message. And this is what he wrote. And I think what he said in 1891 is just as impractical for us in 2016. And this is what he says. Look, give yourself to the church. You that are members of the church have not found it perfect. And I hope that you feel almost glad that you have not. As I have already said, the church is faulty. But that is no excuse for you not joining it if you are the Lord's. Nor need your own faults keep you back, for the church is not an institution for perfect people, but it's a sanctuary for sinners saved by grace, who, though they are saved, are still sinners, 
and need all the help they can derive from the sympathy and guidance of their fellow believers. The church is the nursery for God's weak children where they are nourished and grow strong. It is the fold for Christ's sheep, the home for Christ's what? Family. Family. Come on, how many of you know that word is as good today as it was in 1891? I want you to bow your heads all across this room. And I first want to talk to those that are in this room that are not a part of the family of God. Not, I'm not talking about a church. I'm talking about having given your hearts and your lives to the Lord. The Bible says that if you want to enter into God's family, there's only one way to enter it, and that's to be born again. Being born again is, is not about being baptized. It's not about going to church. It's not about giving money. Being born again is simply an an acknowledgement that you are a sinner in need of grace and that what Jesus did on the cross was enough. And that the Bible says that if we confess him with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and we ask for him to forgive our sins and we recognize that Jesus paid for all those sins, that we will be born again. And what that means is that God would give us a new heart, new desires, and a new family. And today... We can't close this service without giving those in here an opportunity to be a part of God's family, to be born again in here. And if you say, Pastor Josh, you know what? I've been running my life my own way. And today I'm ready to surrender and and to join his family, to repent of my sins and to turn to him. If you say, Pastor Josh, would you count me in a prayer there? If that's you, on the count of three, would you just raise your hand? One, two, three, just all across this room. Man, hands going up all over here. Thank you. Right there in the back. Two in the back. Thank you. Back there on the right side. Over here. Thank you all. Anybody else? Right here. Thank you. You can put your hand down. Thank you. Right over there. Hands all over. Thank you all so much for sharing that. Now let's pray together. We're going to pray as a church together. And I want to pray over you. But you can just repeat this with me. And it's something as simple as say, 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 dear Jesus, thank you for paying for my sins. Today, I acknowledge that I am a sinner in need of your grace. On the cross, you paid for my sins. You rose again to give me a place in heaven. And today I turn to you. I give you everything. Come be the Lord of my life. I'll live for you from this day forward. Come on, and better than any LSU touchdown, can we say a big amen and a big cheer for every single person that just raised their hand? Can we give an amen there?